Thank you for inviting me to chapel. I miss being here. I haven't been able to be here for quite some time, and this was always a highlight of my week. And so it's been great to be able to worship with you this morning. Um, this scripture has been on my heart for a while now, and it might seem random, but it's been really penetrating my heart, and so I wanted to share it with you. I felt God leading me to share it with you. And a question that we've all been asked at least once, maybe more than that, is what is God calling you to do? Maybe you're asking yourself that question. Maybe you're asking God that question once or a million times. What do you want me to do? And I was reading this passage a few weeks ago, and I thought, gosh, would it be awesome to have a clear, visible sign from God constantly telling us exactly what we should be doing moment to moment? From the Israelites' perspective, while they were wandering through the wilderness, they could just look at the tabernacle and see if the cloud was resting or if the cloud was lifted, and they knew exactly what they needed to do. I'm the kind of person who needs God to tell me the same thing over and over and over until I finally get it. And I always thought it would be very convenient and helpful if God would just set in my path a giant, bright, flashing sign telling me what I should do. This is the direction you should go. Or you shouldn't say this to this person. Or you really shouldn't make this decision. Be super helpful. And all God has called us to is faithfulness. And we complicate things. We're really good at that. God has called us to be loyal and constant and true and devoted. And to be faithful is really hard sometimes. Because sometimes God's timing isn't quick enough for us. Or we don't understand why God is leading us in a certain direction or calling us away from something. And we get in the way because we like to complicate things. We're good at that. By thinking about regrets in the past, or thinking about all the what-ifs that could happen in the future, or we compare our lives or our gifts with someone else's. And when we're faithful to God, progress is involved, being present in the moment is involved, and sacrifice is involved. So the Israelites, before they departed for the promised land, God gave them some instructions of what to do. And one of those instructions was how to tell when they were to go and when they were to stay. God's presence was symbolized by a cloud during the day and fire at night. And when the cloud remained over the tabernacle, the Israelites knew they were to stay. When it lifted, they knew they were to go. The time frame couldn't be predicted. It was on God's time. It could be overnight, could be a couple days, could be a couple of months. And when we look at the Old Testament, it was very common for God's presence to be in the visible manifestation of a cloud. And since the Israelites conceived Yahweh as invisible, this was a visible entity for them to remind themselves God is always present with us. And that presence is often referred to in the Old Testament as the glory of God. So if you recall, in Exodus, when the construction of the temple, tabernacle was complete, the glory of God filled the tabernacle as a cloud. 
And so it seems like this glory was much more that could be seen, but something that could be experienced by other senses as well. Because if we recall, Moses couldn't even enter because the glory was filling the tabernacle. This glory is also referred to as a consuming fire. It was reassuring and fear-inspiring all at the same time. So when Moses asked to see Yahweh's glory in Exodus, and he was granted this request, Yahweh descends, stands before Moses, and proclaims his love and loyalty, but also his willingness to punish. And throughout Moses' life, he experienced both of these aspects of Yahweh. And it's this glory, this cloud, that's always in the sight of the Israelites in Numbers 9, ever reminding them of God's presence and their obligation to be faithful to him, which is our call as well. So the cloud of God's presence led the people out of Egypt to Mount Sinai, and this passage, it celebrates the relationship between Israel and God. Wherever the cloud moved, the people moved. Whenever the cloud stayed, the people stayed. And this required progress for the Israelites. They had to come from somewhere to be where they are right now. So God freed them from captivity, and they were now following God's lead through the wilderness with the end goal of the promised land. And if we're honest, we all like to be comfortable. We all like to stay in our comfort zones because that's a cozy place to be. But we all know that progress isn't comfortable. When God leads, it means progress. Progress means moving forward, moving towards something, and being changed. My mentor, Sarah, always says, if it's living, it's changing. My friend, Ruby, who lives in North Carolina, shared with me a story about her granddaughter, Vivian, who is two. And Vivian doesn't know how to blow her nose yet. And so when she has a stuffy nose, her father has to suction her nose, which doesn't sound like a pleasant experience. And so one day her father was suctioning her nose, and she was fighting it and screaming, and she was not happy. And her father said, come on, Vivian, we're making progress. And she jumps up and she said, I hate progress. <laughs> I think we can all relate to how Vivian feels about progress sometimes. God never calls us to remain the same, but to continually be moving and changing and listening to his lead. And sometimes that leads us to uncomfortable places because things are not how they used to be. And I would imagine it was quite uncomfortable for the Israelites to be waiting for God to tell them what their next move should be. And that's difficult for us, too. It's hard, and it's messy. As Christians, we believe that when we accept Christ and believe in Him, we not only receive the gift of salvation and eternal life, but the Spirit comes to live in us. Our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And with that comes regeneration, the changing spiritually from dead to alive. And sanctification, which is the long life process of growing more Christ-like progress. To be faithful also requires us to be present. 
and I know we all struggle with that. I was talking to my friend Laura the other day, and I asked her how I could be praying for her, and she said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the past and all the regrets that I have, and if I'm not thinking about that, I'm thinking about all the things I have to do in the future. I think we can all relate to that thinking. How many of us think back in the past and think, I really wish I had done that differently? Or we think about all the what-ifs in the future in our own personal lives, or we think about what we're going to do after we graduate, or how we're going to get all those assignments done, or how we're going to mark all those papers. It seems impossible. But you know, when we think about the past and the future, it completely steals from what God is doing right now. We miss it. The Israelites had no choice but to live in the present because they had no choice but to live each day and continue to do that until that cloud lifted. And in order to notice that cloud lifted, I think it would be quite distracting to think about the past or the future. But we know the Israelites did that. Further on, they started to complain about the food. They wanted some quail. They wanted some luxurious vegetables because the food was so much better back in Egypt. But they missed the present moment. They were no longer enslaved. I think we can learn from that. A good indication that we're not living in the present, we begin to compare our present with the past, or compare our lives with someone else's, or the church God has called us to, to another church. And we miss what God might be doing right now. So what is God calling you to do right now? To be faithful to God means sacrifice. To be faithful requires us to sacrifice something. And we're here studying or teaching or in ministry of some sort. And that's cost you something. Perhaps money. Perhaps you've moved away from family. Perhaps time. When we think about our Savior Jesus Christ, he sacrificed a lot. He made a lot of sacrifices. He lived in the present every day, all ears to his Heavenly Father, living the life God called him to live, and that required great sacrifice for him. He was beaten. He was made fun of. He was even rejected by his own townspeople, and it cost him his life because that was the Father's will. But we know the end of the story, that sacrifice was well worth it because it meant salvation. It meant a restored relationship between us and God because Christ was faithful. As Christ followers, we believe that God has created us. We believe that gives us meaning and purpose. We believe that we are sinful and that we need a Savior. That he's called us to join him in his mission. That he's continuing. And we believe that we have passions and gifts that were placed there by God for a purpose. So what is God calling us to do right now? In Matthew, when one of the Pharisees tried to trick Jesus in asking him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So, God has called us to faithfulness. And if that means loving God and loving others, what does that look like for you? 
and where God has called you to now. 1 John 2, 3-6 reminds us, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Which is faithfulness. God is interested in responsiveness, how we respond to him. He values our agility and ability to stop and rest or pick up and go, unburdened by our own plans or what might happen next. He wants us to trust him as the planner more than we trust in our own plans. And I bet when you look at your own life five years ago, you see progress, you see sacrifice, you see how God has changed you. All because of the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, the will of the Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 reminds us, and we forget this sometimes, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. We are all here. God has placed you geographically somewhere. And it's meant progress. It's meant faithfulness. It's meant sacrifice. And it's not always a walk in the park. Sometimes it's really hard. But it reminds me of that psalm from chapter 40, verse 2, that he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock. My friend John Chandler says this about our calling. When you're not sure about following the will of God, then obey the last clear thing that you heard God say to you. And keep doing that until you are sure he's calling you to do something else. For the Israelites, that meant staying or picking up and going. For you, what does it mean? What has God called you to right now? He's all called us to be join him in his ministry. He's equipping us, encouraging us, spurring us on. It's meant sacrifice and progress and faithfulness. And at the end of our lives, we stand before him. And we will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for how good you are to us. We pray that you forgive us, even when we're not faithful. Help us to rest in you, abide in you, and pay attention to what you're calling us to day by day. Not focusing on the past or the future, but to just abide in you. You are our God, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.